This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Howdy folks, Carl Jorn here, uh, Pioneer Field Agronomist in Northwest Indiana. Welcome to another edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. I'm here with my fellow co-host, Brian Schrader. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Carl. Good to be with you this morning. And uh, also alongside with us is guest Andrew Farrell, product agronomist for Northern Indiana. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, guys. So today is October 5th. Um, Harvest is in full swing across the state of Indiana, and we thought that this would be a good opportunity to visit with Andrew, talk about what he's seeing across his geography, uh, unique to this year, if there's any differences in addition to uh, what he evaluates when it comes to product selection. Coming up on a very exciting and and very busy time of year for Andrew, so we thought we'd uh, have that visit with him now before uh, he's, he's running like mad. So, Andrew, uh, Brian, I guess where I would like to start things off is what are you guys seeing across uh, across your geographies with respect to harvest, standability, yields? How are things looking so far? You know, I'd say for the most part, um, for most of northern Indiana and really even southern Indiana, this is the first year in quite a few years going into harvest where I'm not very concerned about stocks and standability. It's been really kind of a quiet growing season. And I, I say that for the most part, uh, most geographies in the state, uh, we have had some areas where we've had some pretty extreme weather and that story is going to be completely different. So like you get up into parts of Northeast Indiana, Fort Wayne and keep going to the North and East. You know, that was an area of pretty extreme drought through most of the growing season, most of grain fill um, to the tune where there's going to be a lot of hundred bushel corn or less through parts of that area, you know, couple that with the fact that that's just not the best soils in the state, a really challenging growing environment anyway, uh, couple that with drought and it's going to be a pretty tough year through that part of the world. So, you know, I'd be worried about late season stalks and integrity through there. And, you know, there's parts of Northwest Indiana that's in that same boat also a little bit more sporadic than what it is over on the East side of the state. And then I know you get down into southern Indiana and you get into geographies where they had a lot of rainfall, a lot of humidity through late grain fill. They saw southern rust come in early and you had other diseases, too, that were eaten on the plants. And so there's going to be growers down there who need to really be paying attention to late season stocks and standability. But, you know, again, for the most part, um, it's it's been pretty quiet uh, through the rest of the state. It, it ought to ought to be a nice nice harvest if the weather will cooperate from here to the end. No doubt about that, Brian. Uh, that kind of jive with what your observations have been so far on the front end of harvest? I'd absolutely say so, Carl. I had some drought uh, issues early uh, in my geography. Nothing like what Andrew's talking about in that northern corridor of the state up there, but uh, I've been really pleased with stock condition. I've been really pleased with yields even out of those areas. Um, soybean yields for me have been unbelievably surprising uh, and the corn that we have had shelled so far has been very good and as I say out of those drought prone areas 
really surprising for me. And so um, I, I'm excited to see what we get as we go further into the planning window, but there's really not much just locally for me. Andrew sees a much larger geography than I do in his job, and uh, he's summed up pretty well, I would say. I couldn't agree more. I think uh, it almost sounded as if we had a conversation ahead of time and Andrew picked both our brains on uh, how things look, which we did not have, but Andrew nailed it for my, my neck of the woods too. You know, that, that uh, dry stretch that we had uh, where we had missed a lot of precipitation events, wound up with hundred bushel corn there, just like Andrew said, but where we were blessed with rains and where we, you know, have some, some soils and good fertility that can, can bring us some, some nice big yields. You know, we're seeing 300 bushel corn. And I think that just really speaks to, like we said, all year long, the variability that we're going to see from field to field. Um, it's, it's showing up at harvest. So uh, glad to know that, that we, uh, uh, for folks that are listening out there, uh, we do somewhat know what we're talking about. Can't always get it to the gnats behind uh, on pin and yield, but but knowing as general trends that uh, there's some variability out there. Uh, Northwest Indiana, a few other highlights that uh, have come to light since our last visit. Uh, seeing a lot of tar spot that moved in late, which is having an impact on stock integrity in some areas. Uh, also, like we had talked about before, uh, where we had missed those rains, those droughty areas, that's that's where stocks are going as well. So enough that, uh, you know, someone like me with a little bit of a, uh, a smaller build, I can still be popping stocks. But when you're getting through those areas where we've had, uh, you know, good growing conditions, we've got, got good stocks out there. Seeing fungicides make a difference. And uh, on the soybean side of things, uh, I would agree with Brian that we've been uh, – We've had some really good yields beyond expectations, and then we've been meeting expectations where we've got some BB-sized beans out there just because we missed those rains in August, September. So on the whole, I think um, I think we're all in agreement that uh, 2020 is turning out to be a little bit better than maybe what we would have expected in some, you know, some parts, but then also meeting expectations. So no major surprises. And uh, like Andrew said very eloquently, as long as we have good conditions, we're going to have a good harvest. So, with yeah, that, I, to be honest, they've been been kind of surprised about corn yields. Well, well, both crop yields, like you said, virtually no rain in the month of August, and I can't believe bean yields. Or I thought we were going to hear more high 50s to low 60s, but um, hearing a lot of 60s, 70s, and 80s across the state. So beans have been surprising, and and I guess I thought it was going to be kind of a uh, you know, five to 10 bushels above APH type corn yields. And I know it's guys are just getting into corn and they're shelling some of the first planted stuff, but yields have been pretty big. I mean, they've been 15, 20, 25 bushels above APH. And um, th that to me has been a surprise. And, and I knew it was going to be good because we had such cool, mild weather through grain fill. And that, that means so much. We really stretched mm -hmm. out the, the grain fill period, but I thought, with the lack of rain here towards the tail end, I, my, I was kind of pulling my expectations down, but um, it's a lot of pleasant surprise around corn so far. I was going to ask Andrew, I guess my question would be to you, based on what you've seen the last two years out of the hybrids that you evaluate and impact, um, their response to the drought, their response to the environment that we had, is that a surprise to you, or are you seeing hybrids that handle these 
extreme conditions more as you evaluate products and impact now? I think that's been a trend uh, just in corn in general over you know, the last 10 to 15 years, I, I think just the industry, the, the biggest improvement that we've made isn't, isn't necessarily how much top end that we can get year over year with genetic gain. It's really been stability and the ability to handle um, the growing environment, the, the seemingly, you know, the, the extremes from year to year seem to be worse as time goes on as it relates to the weather environment. And it's, and and I think that's really where we're moving the needle is is bringing forward hybrids, soybean varieties that are able to handle that. And that is something that we look at when we're evaluating our pre-commercial material. Um, yes, yield and rank order is a big thing. You know, we, we look at yield, moisture, test weight, uh, but we also look at stability. Um, and that's stability from location to location and stability from year to year. And, and stability is not a measure of stress tolerance by any means. Um, it's just a measure of how consistent performance can be um, in different locations. And, and we cut loose hybrids that you know don't meet a certain threshold when it comes to consistency. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see a hybrid that can ring the bell and go 300 plus bushels in a plot, but if it only does it once or twice and it's way below average. Other times, it's it's not necessarily the baggage we want to bring forward for our customers. So, we put a lot of emphasis on that around advancement time. Andrew, I think you know that that manifests itself in 1197 when we talk about consistency, right? That's why it's a a, a darling hybrid of a number of growers because it 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 is a consistent performer from year to year, and like you said, from you know, field to field. And so I think when, when folks are thinking of consistency, you know, that's kind of the bell of the ball. And, and what, like you said, through our advancement process, we're, we're separating the wheat from the chaff and those that are performing with better consistency, better stability, those are the ones that, that you're keeping your eye on, that we're keeping our eye on. And, and as those do get advanced and commercialized, and I'm talking with my reps and customers on a day-to-day -day basis, the hybrids they like the most are the ones that are those most consistent performers based on, you know, the research that, that you're able to share with our team. So I, I think that's, that's spot on. Brian, would you agree with that? I, I would most definitely agree. That that really has, I would argue, been the hallmark of Pioneer over the years. That's what most of my customers want is that consistency. To Andrew's point, what he said, you get a hybrid that yields 300, but it only does it once. That's not what they're looking for. So that consistency on, frankly, both ends of the yield spectrum is what our customers value and look for, I would say. But I, and I think that's something that's really important for us in the state of Indiana. Um, I always kind of joke at meetings that Indiana is the state that's trying to be five other states. Our growing environment's so diverse east to west, north and south. And um, so for me, I, I put a lot of value in that consistency in products because they've got to be versatile. Um, just got to be versatile across the state. Andrew, could you explain for uh, our listeners what exactly a product agronomist does? Sure. Um, so my primary role within the company is product advancement. 
and we evaluate pre-commercial material. Um, we look at corn and soybean varieties one and two years away from advancement, and we work pretty closely with the with the corn and soybean breeders and research, and then we also work really closely with the sales team, the field agronomists and, and the sales reps to learn where the gaps are, where we need to improve, and and you know, there's a handful of us scattered across the Corn Belt, and we represent our geography. And what we try to do is fight for the products that we want ultimately in a pioneer bag for our region. So, um, so that's that's what we're doing through the growing season and into the winter months. And then once products get advanced, the product agronomists get the opportunity to do a lot of training with the sales team, introducing the new products. Uh, and also talking about what we're seeing with our current commercial products, because everything that we evaluate in research, um, we're putting that up against all of our commercial checks, what we're selling in high volume, as well as competitor checks. So you know, we get leaned on pretty hard with what we're seeing, with what we're currently selling, how we stack up versus the competition and, and things like that. So uh, really a fun role of getting the opportunity to float in between research and sales and, and, um, you know, help basically put that puzzle together for our growers each year. It's, it's never ending. So when you're out walking these uh, impact plots prior to harvest, especially on corn, what, what kind of things are you kind of keeping your eye on uh, when you're evaluating those potential new products? Well, if you wanted to stretch this podcast into a two hour podcast, we could really <laughs> dive deep into all the things that we're, that we look for. Um, you know, I, I guess at, at the end of the day, it all comes down to, you know, yield moisture test weight and, and consistency and performance, you know, all that will, will trump all, but I guess what gives me confidence in the products when we launch them is we haven't pulled the people element out of, out of it. Uh, so you've got you know, folks like me who are walking impact every day here uh, through the grain fill period, taking notes, and we're ground truthing uh, breeder scores on agronomic traits. Uh, we're ground truthing what we're seeing in different fields under different management practices and different yield environments. And you know, we're 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 catching things. So I, I guess I look at it as my job is to try to figure out all the warts in these hybrids before we before we launch them. Uh, that way, we cut something if it needs to be cut, or you know, really keep something because we we need to keep it. So, and we all, we all have our biases and what we like and what we don't like in hybrids. And we do take notes on those. And, um, you know, we have different biases for different parts of the world. So, you know, for me here in the East, in Eastern, in Indiana, and working pretty closely with the folks in like, you know, Eastern Illinois and in Ohio, and we put a lot of emphasis on disease and tolerance and stalks and roots and, um, you know, early season emergence and early season vigor, those are, would be, you know, four or five of the more important agronomic traits that float to the top, but, um, you know, certainly others we keep in mind too. Yeah. A couple of Fridays ago, we had a great opportunity for all of us to get together, walk an impact plot with Andrew and kind of take a look at what, uh, what some of the very promising potential new products were and it was just interesting visiting with all the agronomists on what what their biases were what it is that they they like to see in a hybrids at this time of year um and and it's pretty interesting uh you know 
like you had spoken to roots and stocks and then when you get to a conversation about biases towards stay green or dry down uh, it, it's just really cool when you're walking those impact sites to be able to see the diversity of our germplasm and know that there isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to that product selection uh, and so it, it's just funny when you get half a dozen agronomists walking one plot and you say wow I really like this but then you talk to somebody that represents the other side of the state well I've got a preference for for that and those those tolerances and thresholds are just just a little different. So, uh, Andrew, I think that we've reached a fair amount of time that I'd like to allot to this discussion, but I think it tees up very nicely for a future episode where we could talk a little bit more about that, that impact process, what it is that, um, you know, what makes hybrids work better out west versus back here in the east and um, differentiation, whereas, like you said, we've got folks that are walking plots every single day, you know, ground truthing those breeder characteristics and scores and, um, you know, not just letting predictive models and algorithms be what advances new hybrids that, yes, you've got that, that massive processing speed and computing power uh, that comes with you know, modern data science, but uh, but really it's the people factor, having that local breeding team and having the local product agronomist and that, that representation, uh, working with the field teams that know what growers are expecting and what they really, really wish to see, um, not just now, but five, 10 years down the road when those products are actually gonna hit their fields. So anything you want to leave the folks with uh, for take one of our visit with Andrew Farrell, product agronomist for Northern Indiana. I think I'd just say, I hope everybody has a safe harvest. Um, it's, you know, depending on when this podcast launches, it looks like we've got a nice week of weather ahead for a good bean cutting and a lot of beans still out there. And uh, so hope, hope the forecast holds and everybody's, everybody's safe and coast into Post into November and December and get the crop out. Absolutely. Well, with that, we will uh, shut her down here for this edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Thank you all for listening, whether you're in the combine grain cart or uh, you're, you're driving the semi here today. Uh, like Andrew said, stay safe. Um, know that we're here to support you and anything you've got going on. Uh, if you would like to reach out to uh, either Andrew, myself, Brian, or anybody else within the Pioneer organization, obviously we're here to support you. But Andrew, if they wanted to follow along with your observations and plots and harvest updates, uh, their social media channel that folks can follow along with you. No, I'm not very active on social media, which I know is odd for for somebody of my age being a millennial, but uh, I, I work pretty closely with all the field agronomists. So, um, you know, you, you can always get in touch with me through those folks and, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. I, I enjoy, still enjoy talking to farmers, talking to customers and learning about what they're hearing. And, and uh, so, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, and Andrew will be uh, pulling double time here this harvest, not, not just, uh, you know, doing the good work of evaluating our potential products for advancement, but also helping out on the family farm, not too far from Frankfurt. So he'll be a, be a busy man here uh, this harvest. Uh, for myself, you can follow along uh, at cjorn, C-J-O-E-R-N on Twitter. And you can follow Ryan Schrader on Twitter at BK Schrader. 
So with that, fellas, thanks for uh, another visit, and uh, we'll catch the rest of you in your fields here in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.